O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Thursday, July 29th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land, not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north, even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph, there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is 20 minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures, and from the New Living Translation for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Ekev, and it means, On the Heel of. Deuteronomy 10, 1-22 Thereupon Hashem said to me, Carve out two tablets of stone like the first, and come up to me on the mountain, and make an ark of wood. I will inscribe on the tablets the commandments that were on the first tablets that you smashed, and you shall deposit them in the ark. I made an ark of acacia wood and carved out two tablets of stone like the first. I took the two tablets with me and went up to the mountain. Hashem inscribed on the tablets the same text as on the first, the Ten Commandments that He addressed to you on the mountain, out of the fire, on the day of the assembly, and Hashem gave them to me. Then I left and went down from the mountain, and I deposited the tablets in the ark that I had made, where they are still, as Hashem had commanded me. From Beeroth Bene Jacon, the Israelites marched to Maserah. Aaron died there and was buried there, and his son Eleazar became the Kohen in his stead. From there they marched to Gudgad, and from Gudgad to Jotbath, a region of running brooks. At that time Hashem set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark, to stand in attendance upon Hashem, and to bless in His name, as is still the case. That is why the Leviim have received no hereditary portion along with their kinsmen. Hashem is their portion, as Hashem your God spoke concerning them. I had stayed on the mountain, as I did the first time, 
forty days and forty nights, and Hashem heeded me once again. Hashem agreed not to destroy you. And Hashem said to me, Up, resume the march at the head of the people, that they may go in and possess the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And now, O Israel, what does Hashem your God demand of you? Only this, to revere Hashem your God, to walk only in His paths, to love Him, and to serve Hashem your God with all your heart and soul, keeping Hashem's commandments and laws, which I enjoin upon you today for your good. Mark, the heavens to their uttermost reaches belong to Hashem your God, the earth and all that is on it. Yet it was to your fathers that Hashem was drawn in His love for them, so that He chose you, their lineal descendants from among all peoples, as is now the case. Cut away, therefore, the thickening about your hearts, and stiffen your necks no more. For Hashem your God is God supreme and Lord supreme, the great, the mighty, and the awesome Hashem, who shows no favor and takes no bribe, but upholds the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and befriends the stranger, providing him with food and clothing. You too must befriend the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You must revere Hashem your God, only Him shall you worship, to Him shall you hold fast, and by His name shall you swear. He is your glory, and He is your God, who wrought for you those marvelous, awesome deeds that you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors went down to Egypt seventy persons in all, and now Hashem your God has made you as numerous as the stars of the sky. Second Chronicles 24, 1 to 25, 28. Jehoash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem forty years. His mother's name was Zabiah of Beersheba. All the days of the Kohen Yehoyada, Jehoash did what was pleasing to Hashem. Yehoyada took two wives for him, by whom he had sons and daughters. Afterward, Joash decided to renovate the house of Hashem. He assembled the Kohanim and the Leviim and charged them as follows, Go out to the towns of Yehuda and collect money from all Israel for the annual repair of the house of your God. Do it quickly. But the Leviim did not act quickly. The king summoned Yehoyada the chief and said to him, Why have you not seen to it that the Leviim brought the tax imposed by Moses, the servant of Hashem, and the congregation of Israel from Yehuda and Jerusalem to the tent of the pact. For the children of the wicked Atalia had violated the house of Hashem, and had even used the sacred things of the house of Hashem for the Baals. The king ordered that a chest be made and placed on the outside of the gate of the house of Hashem, 
a proclamation was issued in Yehuda and Jerusalem to bring the tax imposed on Israel in the wilderness by Moses, the servant of Hashem. All the officers and all the people gladly brought it and threw it into the chest until it was full. Whenever the chest was brought to the royal officers by the Leviim, and they saw that it contained much money, the royal scribe and the agent of the chief Kohen came and emptied out the chest and carried it back to its place. They did this day by day, and much money was collected. The king and Yehoyada delivered the money to those who oversaw the tasks connected with the work of the house of Hashem. They hired masons and carpenters to renovate the house of Hashem, as well as craftsmen in iron and bronze to repair the house of Hashem. The overseers did their work. Under them the work went well, and they restored the house of Hashem to its original form and repaired it. When they had finished, they brought the money that was left over to the king and Yehoyada. It was made into utensils for the house of Hashem, service vessels, buckets and ladles, golden and silver vessels. Burnt offerings were offered up regularly in the house of Hashem all the days of Yehoyada. Yehoyada reached a ripe old age and died. He was 130 years old at his death. They buried him in the city of David, together with the kings, because he had done good in Israel and on behalf of Hashem and his house. But after the death of Yehoyada, the officers of Yehuda came bowing low to the king, and the king listened to them. They forsook the house of God of their fathers, to serve the sacred posts and idols. And there was wrath upon Yehuda and Jerusalem because of this guilt of theirs. Hashem sent Nevi'im among them to bring them back to him. They admonished them, but they would not pay heed. Then the spirit of Hashem enveloped Zechariah, son of Yehoyada the Kohen. He stood above the people and said to them, Thus Hashem said, Why do you transgress the commandments of Hashem when you cannot succeed? Since you have forsaken Hashem, He has forsaken you. They conspired against Him and pelted Him with stones in the court of the house of Hashem by order of the king. King Joash disregarded the loyalty that his father Yehoyada had shown to him and killed his son. As he was dying, he said, May Hashem see and requite it. At the turn of the year, the army of Aram marched against him. They invaded Yehuda and Jerusalem and wiped out all the officers of the people from among the people and sent all the booty they took to the king of Damascus. The invading army of Aram had come with but a few men, but Hashem delivered a very large army into their hands because they had forsaken God of their fathers. They inflicted punishments on Joash. When they withdrew, having left him with many wounds, his courtiers plotted against him because of the murder of the sons of Yehoyada the Kohen, and they killed him in bed. He died and was buried in the city of David. He was not buried in the tombs of the kings. These were the men who conspired against him, Zabad son of Shimeath, the Ammonites, 
Jehazabad, son of Shimrah, the Moabites. As to his sons and the many pronouncements against him and his rebuilding of the house of Hashem, they are recorded in the story in the book of the kings. His son Amaziah succeeded him as king. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. He did what was pleasing to Hashem, but not with a whole heart. Once he had the kingdom firmly under control, he executed the courtiers who had assassinated his father, the king. But he did not put their children to death, for he acted in accordance with what is written in the teaching in the book of Moses, where Hashem commanded, Parents shall not die for children, nor shall children die for parents, but every person shall die only for his own crime. Amatziah assembled the men of Yehuda, and he put all the men of Yehuda and Benjamin under officers of thousands, and officers of hundreds by clans. He mustered them from the age of twenty upward, and found them to be three hundred thousand picked men fit for service, able to bear spear and shield. He hired one hundred thousand warriors from Israel for one hundred kikarim of silver. Then a man of Hashem came to him and said, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for Hashem is not with Israel. All these Ephraimites, but go by yourself and do it. Take courage for battle, else Hashem will make you fall before the enemy. For in Hashem there is power to help one or make one fall. Amatia said to the man of Hashem, And what am I to do about the one hundred kikaram I gave for the Israelite force? The man of Hashem replied, Hashem has the means to give you much more than that. So Amatia detached the force that came to him from Ephraim, ordering them to go back to their place. They were greatly enraged against Yehuda and returned to their place in a rage. Amatya took courage, and leading his army, he marched to the Valley of Salt. He slew ten thousand men of Seir. Another ten thousand the men of Yehuda captured alive and brought to the top of Selah. They threw them down from the top of Selah, and every one of them was burst open. The men of the force that Amatya had sent back so they would not go with him into battle made forays against the towns of Yehuda from Shomron, Samaria, to Beth Horon. They slew three thousand of them and took much booty. After Amatia returned from defeating the Edomites, he had the gods of the men of Seir brought and installed them as his gods. He prostrated himself before them, and to them he made sacrifice. Hashem was enraged at Amatia and sent a Navi to him who said to him, Why are you worshipping the gods of a people who could not save their people from you? As he spoke to them, Amatya said to him, Have we appointed you a counselor to the king? Stop, else you will be killed. The Navi stopped, saying, I see Hashem has counseled that you be destroyed, since you act this way and disregard my counsel. Then King Amatya of Yehuda took counsel, and sent this message to Joash, son of Jehoaz, son of Jehu, king of Israel. Come, let us confront each other. 
King Joash of Israel sent back this message to King Amatia of Yehuda. The thistle in Lebanon sent this message to the cedar in Lebanon, Give your daughter to my son in marriage. But a wild beast in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. You boast that you have defeated the Edomites, and you are ambitious to get more glory. Now stay at home, lest, provoking disaster, you fall, dragging Yehuda down with you. But Amatia paid no heed. It was Hashem's doing, in order to deliver them up because they worshipped the gods of Edom. King Joash of Israel marched up, and he and King Amatia of Yehuda confronted each other at Beit Shemesh in Yehuda. The men of Yehuda were routed by Israel, and they all fled to their homes. King Joash of Israel captured Amatia, son of Joash, son of Jehoahaz, king of Yehuda, in Bet Shemesh. He brought him to Jerusalem and made a breach of four hundred amot in the wall of Jerusalem, from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate. Then, with all the gold and silver, and all the utensils that were to be found in the house of Hashem, in the custody of Obed-Edom, and with the treasuries of the royal palace, and with the hostages, he returned to Shomron, Samaria. King Amatia, son of Joash of Yehuda, lived fifteen years after the death of King Joash, son of Jehoahaz of Israel. The other events of Amatia's reign, early and late, are recorded in the book of the kings of Yehuda and Israel. From the time that Amatia turned from following Hashem, a conspiracy was formed against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish, but they sent men after him to Lachish, and they put him to death there. They brought his body back on horses and buried him with his fathers in the city of Yehuda. Romans 12:1-21 And so dear brothers and sisters I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable this is truly the way to worship him Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Yeshua's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. 
If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Psalm 22, 19-31 O Lord, do not stay far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword. Spare my precious life from these dogs. Snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him, for royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Bow before him all who are mortal, all whose lives will end as dust. Our children will also serve him. 
future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. Proverbs 20, 8-10 When a king sits in judgment, he weighs all the evidence, distinguishing the bad from the good. Who can say, I have cleansed my heart, I am pure and free from sin? False weights and unequal measures, the Lord detests double standards of every kind. I'd like to speak to you today from Psalm 22, and I'm going to hit the rewind button a little bit and speak to you from what we read yesterday in Psalm 22, and then also what we read today in Psalm 22. Now, I've spoken to you before about the four levels of Torah study. Peshat, which is the surface level. What does the verse actually say? Ramez, which is a hint. What is this verse hinting at? It could be a hint pointing us to the Messiah. Drash. This looks for connections between one verse and another, between one passage and another. And finally, sowed. That's the deepest level, the heart. What is the heart meaning of this verse or this word? Sometimes when we look at sowed, we may look at the gematria, but not always. So now, let's jump into Psalm 22 and... We'll start with verse 12. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, melting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. This is a remez hint pointing us to Yeshua in a very profound and deep way. When he was hanging upon the cross and he was nailed to the cross, what happens to a body is that the heart begins to collapse, literally to melt within the body. And, of course, you have no strength. Now they put a little, uh, like a little step that he could step up onto to get some of the weight of his body hanging upon that cross off of, um, off of himself. And it continues on in verse 16, and it says, My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. That is literally a description of him hanging upon the cross. His hands and his feet were pierced with nails, and they nailed him to this cross. Verse 17, I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. And it goes on to say in verse 18, They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. That literally happened. The Roman centurion soldiers threw dice to see who would get Yeshua's clothing. 
And so, again, this is prophecy. It was written thousands of years before Yeshua was ever born. And it's very precise, very detailed, and very specific. And also, verse 8, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. And again, that happened in the Gospels. The description is the people were saying to Yeshua as he hung upon the cross, Well, if he says he's the Son of God, then let him call upon God the Father to come and rescue him and save him. And so again, another part of this prophecy fulfilled. What a dark, dark, sorrowful day. Can you imagine if you were there as one of the disciples, or you were there as Mary, his mother, or Mary Magdalene, and you were there watching him suffer such a gruesome, excruciating, and horrific death. And there was nothing you could do to stop it. He just had to endure it and go through it. It's hard to imagine. Yet, Psalm 22 continues, and we get a glimpse of this dark day in history of what happened to Yeshua. And yet it ends on a very bright note. We go from death, gruesome death, and it goes into a a note of great hope and comfort. Psalm 22, verse 24, For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. Now, I know a lot of people listening are going through a great deal of suffering right now. This pandemic and all of the effects, the shutdowns of businesses, the loss of jobs, the loss of income, the estrangement and alienation from family, if you happen to be one of those people who refuses to get the jab because you know that it's no good for you, that it is an experimental gene therapy shot, that more than 50,000 people in America alone have died from this jab, and many, many more, tens of thousands, have been damaged by the vaccine with heart conditions um, and in inflammation of the heart, stroke, bleeding, infertility in women. So if you happen to be one of those people who refuses to get the jab, um, you're already going through persecution and suffering because there are family members who will, uh, you know, have nothing to do with you. Oh, you won't take the jab, so we're not going to see you or talk to you or have anything to do with you. Or maybe if you refuse to get the jab, you you lose your job. You can't work here anymore. Um, There's all kinds of protests going on now in France, in Paris, in Germany, in England, throughout the world, because it's basically medical fascism, medical um, tyranny going on. And people who refuse to get the jab become second-class citizens. They can't go to large events. They can't go to the movies. They can't go places. They can't get on an airplane. And so the suffering is very much real. I get it. 
I've experienced some of these things I've described to you. And yet, God sees. He sees our suffering. He has not turned his back on us. He hears your cries and mine. And it goes on to say, verse 26, The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth, verse 27, will acknowledge Yahweh and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. For royal power belongs to Yahweh, and he rules all the nations. So he paints a picture for us that there is a day coming, my friend, when all of the earth will acknowledge the Lord and will return to him, and all families, all nations, all tribes of the nations will bow down before him. That day is coming. Hang on. That day is coming. Verse 30. Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. Do you have children who have wandered away from the path? Who have wandered away from Yeshua and from his word? Who are caught up in the tractor beam of the world? And your heart aches and grieves for them and you long to see them return? This verse is promising there's a day coming when our children will also serve him. Hang on, my friend. Look to what is coming down the road and be encouraged. We may suffer now in our temporary abode, our tabernacle, our tent that houses our spirit. We may be going through some suffering right now, but there is an eternal glory coming There is an eternal kingdom coming. There is an eternal king, Yeshua, who is going to return. And he's going to vanquish all of the enemies of Israel. He's going to vanquish all of the hosts of hell. And he will come as a conquering king. Hang on and turn your eyes upon Yeshua. Amen. Yevrekka Adonai
the Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.